Here we go. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Crowded Booth. My name is Bryce Kuhn. I'm here with Jed Woodward. We're here live at Moe's Barbecue in Rome, Georgia. And Jed, uh, first off, let's tell people how they can see the show. YouTube, Facebook. Also, if they're into podcasts, you can get the audio version on iTunes as well. Follow us on SoundCloud. Um, also, once again, Moe's Barbecue. Great food. Mm. Good barbecue. Real good. Some good drinks. They just gave us some fried pickles. We cannot wait to get into that. And um, but we also can't wait to get into this as well, Jed. It's been a wild week in college football. That, that is that's just that's that that's just it's week seven was an interesting one, and they talked about on on College Game Day on ESPN how it was a very interesting um, show to say the least. Mm. With them talking about in previous years, week seven has been kind of the week where the contenders are separating themselves from the pretenders, and we mm -hmm. saw some big time matchups, which started out not too far. Um, your home team. You're from Athens, Georgia, over there, Jed. Yeah, I am. And uh, Georgia heads down to Baton Rouge and plays LSU. And man, the defending SEC champions go down there. And I know a lot of our viewers are dog fans uh, up in this Georgia, Northwest Georgia area. We got a bunch of dog fans. But talk about that. Georgia goes down and plays in a hostile environment. LSU coming off a loss against Florida, which was a tough loss. Talk about what are some things that you felt like you saw wrong with the game? Well, Bryce, I tell you what, any game at Death Valley is a tough game. They can be playing LSU, all the players got broken feet, but as long as it's at Death Valley, it's gonna be a hard game. Um, one thing I really, you know, one thing that really stuck out to me, Jake Fromm, not his usual self. Yeah. He's missing targets, you know, he, he coming into the game, he's one of the top, if not the top, most efficient passer in the, in the league, hitting like 80% of his passes, which is wild. And he comes in, and he's just missing. He's missing wide open targets. Like one that really sticks out to me. Got Miko Hardman going down. No one around him. Overthrows him. That's a touchdown. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, we're we're down 16-0. And I tell you what, in Death Valley, that's a hard deficit to come back from. Yeah, Death Valley. They're saying something. I was listening to a show, and they were talking on the radio about how Death Valley. You want to at least be a 14-point favorite because mm -hmm. then you feel like you're, it's an even match. Just because of the hostile environment. One thing. LSU was coming off a loss at Florida with mm -hmm. their backs against the wall, really knowing if they wanted to stay alive, not only in the playoff race, but just in the SEC race with an Alabama game looming on the schedule. They really had – that was a must-win for them. Mm -hmm. And you got to give credit to Coach uh, Ed Orgeron. I mean, he's an interesting guy, but I was talking with some people over the weekend. He really uh, encapsulates LSU as a football mm -hmm. program. I mean, he's a Cajun guy. And he really makes them play for the name on the front of the jersey. Like that, he's he's completely LSU. The whole uh, "Go Tigers" at the end of every sentence. I mean, they they played a complete game. The secondary oh, yeah. played very well. I mean, LSU has always seemed to have an elite defense, mm. and I think Joe Burrow did what he needed to do. I mean, his uh, his first big time home SEC game, and you know, it, there were some mishaps. Definitely, I mean, yeah. Georgia really didn't look like themselves as they had the blown coverage mm -hmm. for the long pass play. That and we. We were running. They let them. We let them run all over us. You know? Oh yeah, they were just able to run the ball at will. Um, it, it was just a sloppy defensive effort, and you could tell Coach Smart after the game was talking. They, they really needed to get some of those things fixed and worked yeah. out. Um, I think that, that's going to be a big turning point for Georgia. Is this going to be a game for them? For for Georgia, it's gonna be, this is kind of a turning point. You got mm -hmm. some big games on the schedule that before the season kind of looked like you could almost sleepwalk through them. Yeah. And hopefully this game woke Georgia up and see if they can repeat. You know, I think at this time, you know, it's time to, you know, it's time to really pick yourself up and say, hey, you know, if you want to make the playoffs, it's time to go. Mm -hmm. Like, either get right or get left. You know what I'm saying? It's just. Yeah. 
we, we control our own destiny, but we're going to have to win out, and that includes winning that one in, in Atlanta. Yeah, and that's going to be some tough games. And obviously, in two weeks, they got the bye this week. They go and play Florida the week after, next after that, and then and then at Kentucky, which is going to be possibly no disrespect to Kentucky fans out there. Kentucky's biggest football game program in program history. I mean, honestly, they have a chance it's to go to, to Atlanta. They're playing unreal. Uh, but that's just that was just one of the many games that saw number two yeah. fall. We go to another one. Uh, the country roads get rocky on the way home. West Virginia. I mean, you have a guy like Will Greer, preseason Heisman watch list kind of guy, is stifled by an Iowa State team. And you were talking about um, he only threw for like 100 yards. Yeah, he threw I mean, for 100 it, yards. I mean, just a tough, tough atmosphere. And uh, they, they couldn't pull out the win, and that's going to really hurt the Big 12's chances of getting into the playoff as well. And as we talk through all these entire things, we really come back is, okay, now does, what does it look like for the playoff? Mm. I mean, everyone had Alabama in it, you know, week one. <laughs> After that week one with two at quarterback. And I think when we met last time, we were talking, I was talking with Noah Severson about it. We were talking, you know, could a second SEC team slip in there? Well, the loss for Georgia really hurts them. I mean, I don't, I don't really see a second SEC team getting into the uh, playoff unless something crazy happens. Mm. Someone's going to have to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. Yeah. But you go back to the Big Twelve. Oklahoma's knocked off last week against Texas. Mm. You go back to this week. West Virginia's lost. Texas has a loss. Uh, TCU, which three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, they were on College Game Day. And now they're a three-loss team. Yeah. So I think it's making make it very interesting for the playoff conversation. You know, I think it. it's like, okay, Alabama and Georgia, they went out. Georgia beats Alabama and Atlanta. Do you run into another thing of last year where it's saying, mm -hmm. hey, let's throw Alabama in there, you know, because of, like, benefit of the doubt. You know, where if it was the other way around, they won, Alabama beat Georgia, Georgia's not sniffing the, the playoff. Oh, then I think that just almost speaks to the credibility that mm -hmm. Saban and them have within the playoff. I mean, if you get it, like you said, a situation where you get a one-loss Georgia team, mm -hmm. comes and beats Alabama and Atlanta, I mean, they're – Surefire SEC champions in. Yeah. But now you got a one lots Alabama team that's on the outside looking in. Do you take them over a potential UCF? Is what we're looking over. And uh, so the the, ne and the next game was big for me. Oregon. The Pac-12 really started out. We all thought it was going to be Washington mm -hmm. as the one horse, the one team that was the team to beat. Uh, Washington loses to Auburn week one. So then the Pac-12 was like, okay, maybe we don't know. We're going to get a team in. And then Oregon steps up, Washington State steps up. Now Stanford has two losses, Washington has two losses. So your Pac-12 front runners, and I know Noah Severson will love this huge Washington State guys, it's Washington State and Oregon, and they play this weekend. Mm -hmm. College game is going to be there for the first time ever up there in, uh, in uh, Washington. And so it's going to be an interesting one between those two teams, but Oregon kind of looking like maybe the Oregon of old when they used to make all those BCS mm -hmm. runs and definitely having some trouble I've had some trouble getting back to that point, but it'll be interesting to see what can a team like Oregon do. And are they the front runner? And then I'm going to ask you this one just too. This conversation has been really happening over the past year and a half. UCF, they sweep past Memphis, Jed. And there was a lot of argument last year that UCF could have handled either Alabama or Georgia. What is your take? And from your viewpoint, what do you feel like? Where is UCF's role in all of this? UCF should be a number twenty, <laughs> like that, straight up. Like they, they are not number ten. You look at it last year when they were national champions, and they somehow brainwashed themselves <laughs> into thinking that they're national champions. They, hardest game they played was a number twenty-fourth ranked University of South Florida, and they only won by like maybe a touchdown. And so, 
And then everybody says, oh, well, they beat Auburn. I say, well, I think we can all look at the tape and say, that's not, that was not Auburn. That was that not was Auburn. Not no, I agree. That was, that, that uh, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl was not Auburn. No. No, at all. In the, in the least, in the least. And, I mean, that's no, that's not a downer to what you see. It's hard to go undefeated at any level. Yeah, I mean, kudos Congratulations. To them, but it's all about the strength of schedule. You look all throughout their schedule, they're playing, they're playing just absolute not good teams. You know they were they weren't they weren't really blowing them out. Yeah. You know they were winning by a couple touchdowns. But they ain't blowing them out. And you know this year they come in what, number number ten. Come in number ten. They just squeaked past a Memphis team. And that's a good Memphis team. But, but when it's you, not. But it, when you look at other teams on but other if schedules, you, if you look at the number ten, number ten, it shouldn't be beating Memphis by one. Yeah. It should be beating Memphis by a hundred. <laughs> you know. And, and that's the thing, when you play in a conference like the American Conference, which is no disrespect to that, when you play in a non-Power 5 conference like that, if you really want to get nationally recognized, you're going to have to schedule against the big boys, mm -hmm. and then you're going to have to beat the crap out of those teams. I mean, you're going to have to really beat that them. That kind of goes back to, like, the Pac-12. Like, the Pac-12, for the longest time out of the Power 5, is kind of like the red-headed stepchild of them. You know, everybody says, ah, Pac-12, like, that's nothing. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why you see these big Pac-12 teams trying to branch out and play these other teams. They can try to prove themselves, and uh, you know I think that's what UCF has to start doing. They had North Carolina on their schedule; it got postponed due to weather. I don't know when they're going to play it again, but you know that was that was the game for them. That was like, hey, like we just beat North Carolina. Who, I mean, all due respect, North Carolina on the on the up and up. They're mm -hmm. coming up, um, and you know just looking through the schedule, they play like UConn. There's a bunch of other just not really great schools at football, and it makes you think with. Them playing in the American Conference and having three to four non-conference games to kind of wrap up the little the college football segment here is UCF, in your opinion, going to have to schedule? Say they get four non-conference games, so they're going to have to schedule against a top three SEC school, a top three Big Twelve school, a top three Big Ten school to really say, okay, we can play with these guys. I mean, but then your schedule's looking like, okay, let's let's for example. Uh, we'll play Auburn, Michigan, and TCU all in one season. Then I feel like you can make an argument. Okay, see, they're that's, they're that's making what, the attempt. You see, that's not what they're not doing. So mm -hmm. they need to start doing if they want this national attention. Because I look, their toughest game, their two toughest games are at the end of the year. That's where they play Cincinnati, who's number twenty, and USF, which is number twenty-four. You know, obviously if they beat them, great. They go undefeated, awesome. But in my mind, like that's not top four material. You know, they're gonna have to start scheduling those Auburns, those Michigans, those TCUs. I mean heck, I wanna see them play Bama. <laughs> yes, that seems what UCF fans really want. They want to play Bama and uh, before we we're gonna get into that later on the show, but Bama is a whole I tell you what, different Bryce, creature. People want Bama nobody wants Bama. No no one wants Bama. Anybody, That's the only thing you take away from today's anybody, episode. Nobody wants Bama. Anybody who says they want Bama is a liar. <laughs> But, uh, yes, I mean, UCF, I think they're going to have to do some very interesting things to see if they can get in the conversation. And it also brings up the conversation, is the Power Five its own league mm. at this point? Uh, what does that look like? I mean, I wouldn't, I would say that UCF is probably the best school out of the non-Power Five yeah, opponents. Um, but how they match up and how they match up against, uh, I know there's a lot of conversation. They should have been in the playoff. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think they could have beat last year's no. Georgia team or last year's Alabama no. team. I don't, I don't know. No, I don't think so at all. They couldn't have beat Oklahoma. They couldn't have beat Georgia. They couldn't have beat Alabama. And they definitely couldn't have beat Clemson. We talked a little bit about uh, West Virginia. We're getting a little bit to the Heisman race. That's been something interesting as well. 
I mean, right now it looks like Tua has it. Might as well just head to New York tomorrow mm-hmm. and receive the trophy. A lot of talk about, well, Will Greer is supposed to be yeah. the guy. He struggled against an Iowa State team that he's probably supposed to light up. Mm-hmm. You also look at a guy, Kyler Murray, I mean, dynamic football player, has taken over and uh, last week set the record, or two weeks ago set the record for touchdowns yeah. with seven, tied at Baker Mayfield's last season. Um, he's a great player. Where do you feel like the whole race is? Do you feel like it's a done deal with, you know, two attack below it, really kind of the guy there? I I don't think it's a done deal yet. Tua went down with a knee injury. He's got that knee thing. So that keeps him out of even a game or two. It opens the door. For it, it definitely opens the door, you know, because Will Greer, yeah, this game really hurt him. That really hurt him. Kyler Murray lost to Texas. Not great for the team, Oklahoma as a team, but he's still ball. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, all the Heisman voters are going to look at records and stuff like that. So if you have a Tua who missed a game or so, but they're undefeated, they're obviously going to look better than a who's got the stats, but they got that one loss. And so I think it's going to come down to truly who has the better stats and not just come down to the team prestige. Yeah, it's going to definitely come down because you talked about it. He had the knee injury, went into the tent, came back out and played. But how, is he 100%? Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama's talented enough to run the table on it to get, to, to, get to, the, to get to Atlanta for the SEC championship. But like you said, we're also not ta- we're talking about guys who are not bad football players. Will Greer is a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, a very good quarterback. Uh, Justin Herbert up in Oregon, very good quarterback. Still have ample opportunities to shine on the national stage. So it's going to be an interesting race the rest of the way we go. And uh, definitely only about halfway home here, week eight coming up mm-hmm. this week. And, the big game here in the northwest Georgia, close to Tennessee, is Alabama-Tennessee this week, which is Tennessee picked up a big win at Auburn. But, but that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, so congratulations, Tennessee fans. But uh, Alabama's coming yeah, to town, I'll and that's going to be interesting. I'll tell you what, I think Alabama's going to break out some cigars. I'll tell you what. Alabama is uh, on a roll and seems to cannot be stopped. But once again, we want to remind you, we're here at Moe's Barbecue in Rome, Georgia. Really good wings. Real good wings. I mean, phenomenal wings. You wouldn't expect it. They got some good smoked wings. Oh, real good. They're one. It's the only thing I get here. It's so good. <laughs> it's the only thing Jed gets here. Great wings. We got some fried pickles and uh, some really good sweet tea. Make sure to come on down here in Rome, on, in Rome, Georgia, downtown Rome, just off of Broad. Come get. It. They got plenty of TVs. You can watch sports, hang out, um, open late. It's a great place to come on a Saturday night, mm. get yourself some, something to drink, and hang out and watch the football. Yeah, you can go, go to the bar. You can get, pick four different games on there, four TVs. Yeah, four TVs. It's an awesome place set up, so come on by. We want to thank them once again for letting us come out here and, uh, and do the show. Let's go once again weekly, Wednesdays, 430. I'm Bryce Coon. This is Jed Woodward. He's going to be coming on a lot more, and we're going to get into his favorite topic here next as we talk NFL. And instead of just sitting here and talking about the NFL season, this is where Jed thrives thrives in conversation. So, Jed, I'm going to give you a list here. We're going to do a uh, segment here we have is NFL contenders versus pretenders. Pretenders. Pretenders, yes. Mm. Contenders versus pretenders. I'm going to give you a team. You give me about a two-minute spiel on what you think, if they're really a contender or they're going to flame out. So, first, we're going to come with the Minnesota Vikings. Sitting there at the top of the NFC North, Kirk Cousins with the dad mm. dance, you know, feeling it. What do you think yeah. about this team? It's a tough one because... Chicago's no slouch. Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. <laughs> that, that Monday night, wow. That he's speaks a, for a itself. bad man. <laughs> speaks for itself. You know, so that's really tough. But, uh, you know, I'm going to say they're a contender. 
you know, they've got elite defense, and they're only going to get better on defense. They're going to have uh, Griffin coming back, who's their main pass rusher. And they've got, you know, a lot of teams, especially on my Eagles, when you look at the defense, they go defensive line up. They go secondary back. You know, they've got Xavier Rhodes out there. They uh, they got some really good say really good pair of hard hitting safeties who uh, are really good coverage too. You've got you know bars and all right linebacker. He's really fast sideline to sideline. And then you know you've got Lindell Joseph in the you got him in the middle. He had a big old fumble return when he played the Eagles. I was pissed, but <laughs> hey, that's how it goes. Yeah, Jed's yeah. an Eagles fan, so <laughs> but uh, but I think they're a contender. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they do with the run game. Mm-hmm. That's been something's kind of like Dalvin that, Cook. I got him on the fantasy team, and Dalvin Cook's been killing me. See, it's t- like they got Latavius Murray, Dalvin Cook. Is Dalvin? Cook, I don't even think he's back yet. He's not back. Mur- Murray, now Murray had a touchdown run Murray, on Sunday. He's okay, but he ain't he ain't like an Adrian Peterson that they used to have. He ain't even a Dalvin Cook on his fresh on his uh, rookie year. Mm-hmm. I think that they had a step up in quarterback in Kirk Cousins. I've seen Kirk Cousins play a lot in the NFC East, and the man knows how to win. The man is a winner, and, and he's, he's got, also a pretty good quarterback. He's got some talent running with Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen is he's a stud. Like, Diggs a stud. Adam Thielen, he's had, there's been six games so far, and he's had six 100-yard receptions, six 100-yard uh, receiving yards in each game. It's wild. Yeah. They, they have a lot of talent around him. I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to make the North battle uh, interesting gonna, as well. It's going to be an interesting one coming down the stretch. Now we're going to head over to the AFC West, where the story seems to be the Chiefs, the, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. What do you think about the Chargers and Phillip Rivers going to be sitting at four and two? Dude, Patrick Mahomes is a beast, and that sun that Sunday night game between Mahomes, I think it was Sunday Sunday night game between Mahomes and Brady, Brady. phenomenal football game. But what do you think about the Chargers? Do they have a legit shot to challenge no. the Chiefs at all? No. Just no. <laughs> no. Their defense is good, don't get me wrong. Bosa's a stud, Ingram's a stud. But they just, uh, what's the guy, Derwin James, he's he's good for a rookie. But, dude, Kansas City, you know, Andy Reid, who I, who I, you know. Pretty familiar with. I'm pretty familiar <laughs> with him. And so he's, he's a quarterback guru, he really is. He's developed him into a great player. Kareem Hunt, great player. Tyreek Hill, fastest player in the NFL. Most explosive player in the NFL. Um, I just don't see, I don't see the Chiefs being able to slow down enough for the Chargers to catch up. You know, I think Philip Rivers is having a good year mm-hmm. at quarterback. Um, I think he's, you know, he's in his early mid thirties now, so he's having a great year. Melvin Gordon's a good tailback, mm-hmm. very good tailback. They've got some receivers. They have Mike Williams his, in his second year, the receiver out of Clemson, taking a step here. Keenan Allen. They've got yeah. some good pieces, but you talked about when you're playing a division with the Chiefs, can you really keep up with them? Mm-hmm. Is I just don't think they're going to be able to do it. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Gonna be it's going to be tough. It. The Chiefs are Chiefs are kind of the, the cream of the crop in that division. Yeah, but um, as we've seen before, so yeah, saw last year, Chiefs start off up here. Next thing you know, taking that step, and eventually playoffs come around, they get bounced. Yeah, first but playoff. I don't, think, I don't see it happening this year. Yeah, I they, think Andy Reid is going to make it to the second year of the play, the second round <laughs> of the playoffs this year. Yeah, he's a phenomenal team. Uh, he's done a great job with them. We look into the AFC North now. we got two teams out of the North. They're not the Browns or the Steelers. The Browns, a good story, honestly. I mean, they've had some good games, some flashes. They're good some, for the ratings. Talents. Yes. The Steelers, we're not even going to get into the drama of what's going on. They're on bye week. Le'Veon Bell comes back. What do you Hypothetical. Hypothet- <laughs> we, maybe. We don't know. Uh, as uh, Big Ben in his press conference told reporters, that's what you're saying. I don't know. <laughs> 
So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But we're going to look at the Ravens, and you are a Joe Flacco supporter. He's elite. He, Joe, the elite one. He, Joe Flacco, um, has honestly played very well this season. I mean, he, he struggled in some years past, but he didn't have a ton of talent around him yeah. at all. And so this year, you're starting to see he's gotten some help. And what do you think about the Ravens? You think in that AFC North division, can they contend for at least a wild card spot? They're a contender. They're a contender to win the AFC North because if you look through it, Joe Flacco has had the worst receiving core in all of football for almost every single year he's been in the league. And one year he had a good one. Guess what happened? 2012, they won the Super Bowl. You know, obviously great defense, but still you got to score points in order to win. So I think they're a contender. We looked when they played against Tennessee. Defense had 11 sacks. And, and, you know, that doesn't matter 11. if the offensive line's 11 sacks is 11 sacks no matter who you're playing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think they've always had a stout defense. Mm-hmm. And you take guys that kind of got a running back in Buck Allen. He's, he's emerged. He's really emerged as a guy that can come out of backfield to catch the I, ball. I tell you what, one guy I'm really looking for, Hayden Hurst, tight end out of South Carolina. You know, they've Ravens have had a history of having a pretty good, like, mm-hmm. pretty good solid tight end. You know, we got uh, – Pete a couple years back, Pitta for a couple years. Now we got Hurst. You know, I think it's just adding on another weapon to what seemed to be an okay. You know, Crabtree's he's going to slouch, not great. Mm-hmm. No slouch. Willie Sneed, once again, not great, but not bad. Yeah. You know, so it's just adding all those cohesive units together. And I think you know they got a good team. And they got they have a tough team, and it's tough to play. They got T Sizzle, T Sizzle, <laughs> also hard University. Yes, uh, Terrell Suggs leading that defense really, mm-hmm. and he's just been a ever since Ray Lewis retired. Mm-hmm. Suggs has been kind of the heart and soul of the defense, and they have a tough defense. And also, the, I always love watching the AFC North because when you get later in the season, November, AFC December, North football. AFC North football is just something different. You got, you got teams like the Steelers. The Bengals, their next team. It's just physical. It's just physical football. It's always been smash mouth football, and I'm excited to see. So we, you, you have the Ravens as contenders, the Chargers pretenders, and then you have the Vikings, they're contending. And we move into another AFC North team. You already picked the Ravens to win the AFC North, the Bengals. And the Bengals have gotten off to a decent start, but... Pretender. It's Andy Dalton. Bro, they're and, a pretender. And, and Andy, Dalton, Andy Dalton's not... He's... He is the dictionary example of a right above average quarterback if not average quarterback you know yeah he's he's putting up good numbers like i'll give him that but i tell you what i can put up good numbers when i'm throwing to aj green and eifert and all those guys and i got joe mixon in the backfield yeah, joe mixon has really emerged for a lot of years it seemed like they had some talent around that with jeremy hill and it yeah, seemed like they had giovanni some talent bernard. and giovanni bernard but they kind of struggled. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon has really emerged in his second season as a go-to back for them, and mm-hmm. I think that's been a lot of the success. But if you look at who they've won against, I mean, they beat some good teams. They beat Atlanta, which Atlanta is it's, not the same Atlanta for the past two to, seasons. Beating Atlanta is starting to become less of an accomplishment as the year goes on. And see, because in Atlanta's, that, that is, they beat an Atlanta team that had a ton of issues on defense. Mm-hmm. Really some young guys starting, having been thrown into the fire. And I think that's part of the reason they might have, might have won that game. Give credit to Andy Dalton, let a game-winning drive throw to A.J. Green. But the Bengals, I, I agree with you. I think they're pretenders. I think as the season wears on, teams like Baltimore and Pittsburgh are going to beat up on them. And the youth and maybe the lack of depth for Cincinnati is going to show. One thing I do like about Cincinnati, Geno Atkins, former Georgia Bulldog, defensive tackle, a stud on that defensive front. That's a top three defensive tackle in the league. And they get Vontaze Burfick back. Mm. I think he came back last week. 
this past weekend. So I'm sure he'll be suspended sometime soon. <laughs> It'd be interesting as they face off against the Steelers here in the coming weeks, mm -hmm. and everyone remembers uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's uh, laying down the boom on Perfect uh, in that game. I guarantee Perfect remembers. Perfect definitely. Actually, actually, he, he, might, be. actually he might not. He might not. Big hit. <laughs> All right, so we get to the last team. So you have two pretenders, two contenders. The last team, which hits home for some guys around this area, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Dallas, where has Dak Prescott gone? He goes somewhere, comes back, and the Cowboys beat the Jaguars 40-7. to But you and I were talking before the show. You think that's more a lack of, not effort, lack of discipline maybe on the Jaguars' part than really that the Cowboys did that good of a job? I'm going to put all my bias aside for this one. Cowboys are pretenders. Cowboys pretenders. Everybody says, well, Dak, look at Dak's freshman year, or rookie year. Dak was thrown into the best situation a rookie could ever be thrown into. He had robots blocking for him. That offensive line was unreal. Yeah, I, I could have gotten 1,000 yards during, during the season on the, <laughs> uh, under that O-line. I could have gotten 100 yards a game. Not saying four yards every time. I could bust off one for 20, maybe. Take a loss of one. I don't know. Better. And I'm he had doing DeMarco Murray healthy. Oh, yeah. And Zeke Elliott coming in the next season. I mean, walked into a great situation, but where is it falling apart for them? Uh, defense, not doing amazing. Sean Lee's injured. They have a linebacker that came out of Notre Dame, uh, Smith. Mm -hmm. He's starting to come back to his pre-injury pre self. Um, Lawrence is a really good pass rusher, but honestly, I just, I just don't see that even to hold up. Their offensive line's going down. They're one of their top guys, Frederick. Is he's having some kind of serious, serious like medical injury that like is keeping him from playing. Help, it's affecting his health. Hope he gets better from one offensive lineman to another. Um, but Tyron Smith, he's a robot. He'll be okay. Zico Elliott, he's not bad. He's an all right guy. Dak, I think, is a bum. Like, I don't think that's And this is, mind you, if you are a Cowboys fan, this is an Eagles fan talking, and he's putting it very nicely. But I agree with you. I think uh, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. I don't know if he can take him to the next level. Though. I, I don't think he's I do think a lot of it's come from the offensive line. They've had a ton of issues. You know, it's like, it's like you got Zeke back there. It's pretty easy, to, pretty easy to throw to an open receiver, especially when you used to have Dez, who, let's be real, he's good. Uh, Cole Beasley, he's really good. But you got eight people in the box and trying to stop that guy in the backfield. So if you hit him with play action, somebody's going to be open. I agree with that. I think that you take a look at a team that really two to three years ago felt that they were on the cusp of something. Went 14 to 2. Great. Like and I don't know where they are. Also, you talk about that division. The Giants. Wow. The Giants. The Giants. The Giants. Hey, credit to them, though. They cut Eric Flowers. <laughs> Credit to them. It took them about five years, but they did it. But I think it's only a matter of time before Philadelphia settles in and really takes command. Alex Smith hasn't done a bad job in no, Washington. And so I think those are the two teams, honestly, in the NFC East mm -hmm. right now. Uh, the Eagles, I still feel like the Eagles are going to end up running away with that division. And the, the Redskins are probably about, about a 9-7, and 10-6 team, something like that. I'd give them that 8-8, eight 9-7. Eight, so I think I think we're going to see some teams. And this is kind of, you start seeing about week 7 or 8, kind of, this is why we're doing this, contenders, pretenders. So once again, we'll wrap, wrap that segment up. The Vikings are contenders for Jed. The Chargers are pretenders. The Ravens, I'm probably saying it's pretenders, not pretenders. The Ravens 
are pretenders. No, and Ravens, are Ravens contenders. are contenders, and the Bengals are uh, pretenders with the Cowboys as pretenders as well. Yeah. So uh, take that for what you want as the football guru here, NFL guru Jed Woodward here with the take. And Jed, we're going to take a quick segment right here before we end the show, as we call it, the final take where fans submit questions to the show that they want to see answered. And this uh, question comes and it is, do bowl games in college really even matter now? And, I, and I'm going to preface it and let you kind of give your take on it. We've seen in the recent years a lot of guys in the college level sit out. Uh, Leonard Fournette comes to mind for me. Playing in a medium-sized, mid, not mid-made, mid-sized bowl game doesn't play. And really what stuck out to me is that kind of even furthers this conversation that we can, we can talk about at a later time is Nick Bosa. Uh, he gets hurt, withdraws from Ohio State. So do bowl games really matter anymore? I mean, do we really care about the two six and six schools that are playing in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl or the Gasparilla Lawnmower Bowl? I mean, honestly, I mean, I, you look at these teams that are playing in here in, in December 18th, 19th, and I know a lot of it is money driven. I get that. But at the end of the day, do we really care about those New Year's Six Bowls and the playoff? Um. I think from a fan's perspective, I want to say fans think the bowls matter because let's be real, a bunch of matchups happen that usually don't happen. You're right. Like we've, like we've seen at UCLA play at Texas that usually doesn't happen, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Really cool matchups. Really, It's also nice because you get to have more college football. But, you know, I think the only, the only bowls that really matter as a player, semifinals. BCS championship. Yeah, I think I agree. It's the only ones that matter because, you know, like you said, we've had Fournette, we've had Bosa this year. They got NFL in the mind, and it's like, hey, I'm projected to be a top five pick. Why would I play this meaning, meaningless game that we don't even get any money from? We just get a fancy trophy and a T-shirt. And some cool, maybe some cool gear. Maybe some, yeah, some cool gear, and I don't get a penny of it, and I could get hurt, or I could play bad and all of a sudden hurt your draft stock. Yeah. And I think that raises a big question with how these teams look at it. I mean, you look at schools, you know, non-Power 5 schools. These bowl games are an opportunity for them to get money. I, I know the, the schools get a payout of that. Mm. But for the individual player and for consumers of the sport, does it really matter to us? Do I really care to see a 6-6 six and six Tulane play a 7-5 and five Georgia Southern? Nobody cares. No. That's why that game's on at 11 a.m. Eleven. It's an 11 a.m. game on ESPN Ocho. You know, it's yeah. watch ESPN. It's I, I agree with you. I think that it's something interesting to look forward to, and we're going to continue to have that conversation mm -hmm. about at what point, and it raises up the question about paying college athletes that we'll definitely getting into too soon. But I want to thank you for coming on the show very much, Jed, as we're here live Moe's Barbecue. Come check it out. Thanks for watching. If you're watching this live here on Facebook, thanks for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, or maybe you're in your car on the way to one of these games and you're listening to what we have to say for some reason on iTunes, thank you very much for listening. Uh, once again, we're about to do an awesome sale on t-shirts. Mm. Jed, my man here, is about to get one. He'll get a picture, and we'll get posted on all social media. Speaking of social media, follow us on all social media. Follow Jed at bro Jed, bro. At bro underscore Jed underscore bro. Yeah, for a bunch of hot takes on the NFL and the NBA season is heating up. We're going to have some more stuff coming next week. And trust the process. Yeah, this guy's a Philly man until he <laughs> dies. got to respect it. But thanks for tuning in once again. I'm Bryce Coon alongside Jed Woodward. We've had a great time talking sports with you. Make sure to tune in next week starting at 4.30.